Hey, welcome to another episode of the Leadership Enigma. Now, we are trying to really meet the needs of all our listeners, and so many people have asked us, what does agility mean to leaders and leadership? And so, like all episodes, I have to talk to someone far wiser than myself. So I have the amazing Steve Krupp, who is partner extraordinaire at Hydric and Struggles, based over on the East Coast. So you don't want to miss this episode, because it is packed full of learning. And then there's a wonderful invitation as well to join Steve in the conversation around future-ready leadership and the power and differentiator of agility. Come back to me straight after this. During constant change, your leadership has never been more important to create a better and more inclusive world. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast for the insatiably curious to explore the power of human-centered leadership to create real momentum for positive and sustainable change. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive. Each week, we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors as we discover that success leaves clues. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. Well, there we go. It's a massive warm welcome to Steve Krupp. Steve, how are you, my friend? Doing great. It's beautiful here in Philadelphia. (laughs) Which is good as the sun is shining here. Steve, just give us a little bit of a background of you because you've got a lot of wisdom and experience. So just tell us a little bit about the journey that's taken you to the role that you have at the moment with Hydric. Yeah, well, thanks. I'm happy to to do that. So, you know, I I started, I went to actually graduate school um, and got a PhD in organizational behavior. And so from early days, I was very interested in group dynamics and organizational dynamics and what separates the best organizations and ultimately the best leaders. I was fortunate uh, coming right out of grad school. I, I got to be uh, to uh, teach in a master's program. And that master's program was focused on adults who um, were working full time, mostly in human services kinds of roles. Right. And we go to um, we're going to go to school and get a master's while they were working. And so all of my um, students, you know, were really my advisors because they were very, very experienced. And yeah, I, I had some things that I was excited about, but I, I got into this learning mode. Um, but what was really sort of set my career is ultimately they started saying, can you come in and, and you know, advise our organization about some of these topics around leadership and transformation that we were talking about. Yeah. So that kind of got me into consulting. And and I quickly discovered that, um, first of all, it's a bit more lucrative, but also more dynamic. I could do all the, the writing and the thinking, the thought leadership, but I could do it with engage with clients and ultimately with some of the leaders of some of the biggest and most successful companies in the world. So that, that kind of was really, really, and it so happened to somebody I went to graduate school, his, his consulting business, you know, was, uh, he was looking for a partner. We joined together and, and we got, we got going. Um, so I, I therefore went from one to the next, but, but, you know, in addition to kind of becoming really focused on the craft uh, and the, the art and science of leadership and organizational change, I also found myself becoming an entrepreneur because we built a consulting business and sold it. We ultimately and joined a larger firm. Then I had the opportunity to come and do that again. Um, so I, I, 
as time went on, I began to see myself more as a business builder and an entrepreneur than a kind of a leadership uh, academic or craftsperson. But it's a really nice integration of, of both. I keep learning all the time. I keep engaging all the time. But, but uh, that entrepreneurial bent is very important to me. Well, that's why you're the serial learner as, as well, Steve. Now, this episode is very much focusing on agility. And so my question to you is, when did agility become such a hot topic for you? Because you're very much of the view that agility is a differentiator now for leaders and their organizations. When did that happen? Well, it really happened really about six and a half years ago. So I was the CEO of a firm called Decision Strategies International or DSI. Yep. And we we were focused on helping um, leaders and companies navigate uncertainty. And this goes back a couple of decades. Uh, obviously, the world has gotten increasingly uncertain. But when we joined, we were so we were... We were acquired by Hydric to build as part of building Hydric's consulting capability. And we were really fortunate in the timing because we joined in just as this research was going on and we were able to participate and help shape the research on what was called um, accelerating performance. And we looked at the top yeah. companies in the world by revenue and by performance. And we tried to understand you know, what were the things they were doing differently? And without going deep into the research, the thing that jumped out at me unmistakably was, and this was just a research finding, agility was the multiplier. It was the differentiator. It was the thing that if you had to pick one thing that separated the best from the rest, it was the ability to, to be agile and which is to pivot, to adapt in order to cope with all the conditions, you know, we the VUCA world that you know, the, the yeah. volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world that we've been in for a long time. Um, so, so what I, and then what I got really excited about was some of the main things that we had learned in our research about strategic thinking, some of the main elements about anticipating and challenging and learning. Yeah. They actually mirrored what the way we ultimately dis defined and, and looked at agility. So there was a, a confluence of the uh, the research we had done and the things we had learned and the research that was coming, this large research effort that had come out of um, Hydric and that we were able to help shape. And so it just jumped out at me that, and it was, it was also intuitive. Because right. if you thought, we thought about the leaders who not just were successful through one phase, but were able to be able to adapt, you know, as the business climate changed, as they needed to expand whether it was product or expand geography or change the business model, agility seemed to be central to those. And by the way, I also noted in my own, in my own life that um, my ability to adapt from an academic to a business person, to an entrepreneur, to a mentor and the like, um, you know, so that, that also resonated with my own personal experience. Gotcha. Well, in that way, we've definitely piqued the interest of the listeners if this is really that differentiator. Maybe it's even a game changer for individuals and their organisations. So what we'll do now, Steve, is we'll delve into those components that your, your research has really identified as making up agility. I'm going to start again with agility itself. Uh, Steve, what's the most simplistic definition or the most compelling definition that you can offer people for agility right now? Yeah, so it's it's really the ability to pivot in order to adapt to changing circumstances. So that that notion of pivot is at the center 
of agility. You know, it's a given in our view that circumstances will change. It's a given that we can't predict the future. And no matter what we anticipate and plan, we're probably not going to be quite right. So it's that pivoting is the essence of agility. And then there are four subcomponents that we look at under agility. And again, it, te it tended to be very aligned with uh, my prior thinking. So the first is foresight. Okay, let's deal with foresight. And, and you know, you, you know, um, the, everybody talks about looking around corners. You know, if you follow, if you're from the U.S. and you um, you know about Wayne Gretzky, the whole notion was, you know, skate to where the puck is going, not to where it is. So we kind of know what foresight is, but foresight is the ability to anticipate you know, where the future might be going, or at least to have some thoughts about different possible options. So so foresight really is that um, forward-looking, to your earlier point, yep. um, ability to, to think broadly about how the future might be unfolding. And we think a very important part of foresight, and again, I'm happy to get into this further, but um, is not just make an assumption about the future, but anticipate in an uncertain world that the future could could unfold in different ways and how would we be prepared for different future scenarios and that to me is the highest level of, of foresight not just anticipating what we think is going to happen or building a strategic plan based on certain assumptions recognizing those assumptions might be flawed and being agile enough to shift direction so foresight is the starting point for us of agility and you know there's lots of examples um you know in this playbook that we're working we we focused on yeah. ikea you know ikea as a company um you know was known for the wonderful experience you have in the store i remember the first time i went there in the swedish meatballs and it was it was an experience um and they were very much focused on the in-store experience but the, the ceo did um Say, you know what, the world is changing, and I'm hearing my customers and my, say, you know, sometimes it's hard to get into the store. So they started working on digital, anticipating and understanding that customers, I, customers' needs were changing. So fortunately for them, when COVID hit, they already had started building right. a digital infra infrastructure, and they were already able to then scale up but if they hadn't anticipated, if they didn't have the foresight, if they weren't listening to those signals, they might not have been been able to make the uh, the shift as quickly as they as they ultimately did. So, it's 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 really thinking about how the world is changing and what those different possible scenarios might be, and how we might you know how you know on, on the negative side again. You know, this is just in our in our face in the news, but yeah. you know, Russia made some assumptions about what was going to happen when they invaded, you know, Ukraine and Kiev. They they really weren't very prepared <laughs> for that not going the way they thought it would. And obviously, we've all seen what's what's happened since. So you've got to you've got to have enough foresight to understand that, that in a complex world. Now, Steve, we got to be prepared for multiple. Yeah. Now, forgive me for, for interrupting that. So as I'm listening to foresight, that's a real challenge, isn't it? Because as you say, it's not now just the ability to try and in some ways predict what's going to happen because it's just so 
uh, unknown. But there's a humility piece there, isn't there? In order to be able to, to challenge assumptions and uh, uh, change direction and admit wrong. Uh, is that a fair comment that the humility must must play a part in this? Yes. And, and that's why, as you'll see, adapting and learning go hand in hand with the foresight. But yes, you know, and this is this is the challenge again, future ready leaders. Yeah. Most of us, or most people who get to leadership positions, hey, they're very successful and they've made good choices along the way. Now, again, a lot of people today talk about mistakes and what they learn from them, which is a good thing. But but there's a lot of confidence and sometimes arrogance that comes with success. And, you know, as you know, working with senior executives, you've got to help them not fall into that arrogance trap. But it's hard when you've been successful, when mm-hmm. people look up to you. So, yes, I think the biggest foresight failures, and we wrote actually wrote an article called Foresight Failures. Right. Um, but the biggest foresight sa- failures um, come from arrogance, from not challenging your own assumptions, not having other people challenge your own assumptions. So yes, humility and understanding that in an uncertain world, we really can't predict it. I mean, when, you know, whether it was Brexit or whether it was the US election election when Trump won, how many, I mean, 99.9% of the predictors were wrong. I was in Chicago at the time, Steve. I remember that night very, very well. Well, it was a painful night for some of us, but but nonetheless, how certain were the prognosticators, mm. right? And how wrong were they? And that's just a, it just brings it home in, in an uncertain world. We have to be humble. Well, in some ways, I've taken us on to adapt, haven't I, as, as the second component. Yeah. So, so just help us in relation to adapt, because that is about challenging assumptions and the devil's advocate piece, isn't it? So tell yeah. us a little bit more about why that's become such a, a critical component of agility. Yeah, because it's one thing to have foresight yep. and either anticipate where it might go or have various plans in place. It's a whole nother thing. And it's a gut wrenching thing to actually change what's comfortable, change what's worked, change ideally before it broke. You know, everybody had to change what was impossible again in COVID or post not, you know, post yeah. um, financial crisis. But adapt is the ability to, to flex and shift directions by challenging, by having the skill set of challenging your core assumptions about your business or about whatever you happen to be working on. So you mentioned the devil's advocate yeah. and one of the techniques that our clients have really found helpful. And we've done this with investors and we've done this with researchers and we've done this with, you know, commercial people. Whenever you start embarking on a plan, um, make sure that you've got someone who is taking the counterpoint. Right. You know, in the military, they, they talk about the red team and the, and the blue team, but have another person or team research the opposite and create that debate so that before we head down that path, we've debated the alternative. We've really heard a reasoned, thoughtful articulation of why our assumption actually might be wrong. And when we did this with one of the premier financial uh, investing companies in the world, 
you know, people would come in and make a case for why to invest in X, Y, and Z equity or stock. And when they started having this debate, they found out that they got better uh, alignment or really sometimes questioned some of the assumptions that they were bringing into it. So it facilitated better decision-making. And in many ways, we talk, don't we, to organizations about trying to harness that diversity of thought and the contrary opinion or the naysayer or the someone who says, no, I don't see it, I don't understand, help me. And that really what you're saying in relation to ADAPT can actually help the thinking, can help the adaption, can't it? Right. You know, one of the one of the biggest um, one of the biases that is, I think, the most um, insidious for all of us is confirmation bias. Yep. So we again, it's just a human condition. We're all guilty of it, Steve, aren't we? <laughs> we? Every one of us is. And I am no less guilty. Trust me, no matter how much I've studied it, I'm no less guilty. We seek for data that confirms what we believe. You see this, by the way, in today in, in the political parties in the United States, you have people who are living in completely different worlds, each seeking data that confirms what they believe. And it, it's just it's just fascinating to observe it from a distance. But so how do you counter that? Well, the devil's advocate is one way. But one of the things that we believe is, you know, find the contrarian, seek out the contrarian, find the person who has a different point of view. And to your earlier point, Listen, get curious, understand why they yeah. see the world as differently as they do. They may or may not change your point of view, but they will certainly enrich, if you're really open-minded, enrich your point of view. So some of the most powerful techniques for adapting is, first of all, get your team to challenge yours. What are our assumptions about what's going to happen You know, in this business strategy? As we expand into a new market, as we do um, an acquisition, you know, what are our assumptions and challenge them? Number two, get that debate going with, with by encouraging people to play devil advocate. And thirdly, find the contrarian to challenge, to, to disagree with, you know, who disagrees with your basic yeah. plan. You know, I love that, uh, Steve, and I want to kind of come on to the learning piece because I had an amazing conversation with Gary Ridge, who's just stepped down as the CEO and chairman after 26 years of WD-40. Listen, we've all got a can of WD-40 in the garage somewhere. You know, I, I, I have a test them, so I actually don't. But, I, I <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and do, yeah. he said something to me, which I, I kind of want to use as a lead in to, to learning. He said, He's stepping down after 26 years, and actually those 26 years have merely been his apprenticeship in leadership. Now, that's a really uh, humble CEO, but he also understands that actually all he's been doing for 26 years is learning. So tell me about this third component, learning, uh, you know, the, the fail fast. Because again, WD-40 was born out of 39 failed attempts, hence the WD-40. So tell us a little bit about the learning aspect, Steve. You know, and, and it, it's 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 great, and um, and you know, Gary Ridge also, besides having his maniac pledge for learning, you know, talks about learning moments, which we can get into. But le- learning is really, the, and again, I I've been saying this now for a long time. Okay, that learning uh, a leader's ability to learn is potentially their single biggest competitive advantage. Right. In a, in a VUCA world, a VUCA world on steroids, a bonkers world, because, and again, and um, you know, Nadala, uh, Microsoft says it well too. We need to go from uh, know-it-alls 
to learn it all. Yeah, I love that phrase. This is one of the most powerful, successful companies in the world, right? Um, But they actually, so in a world that changes constantly, what we know is almost becomes irrelevant very quickly. So it's our capacity to learn faster, which includes failing phase, because when we're learning phase, we're going to make mistakes. So creating a culture where we can learn, have those learning moments. Then again, what Gary says is, um, all I care about is that you learn from the experience, whether it was a success or failure. How do you learn from it and then internalize those learnings in the go forward? Um, So, you know, one of the things that um, uh, some military outfits do really, really well is, is the after action review yes where after every event they do a, a sit debrief and the israeli military actually cha- trains people to be after action review facilitators because again you have to avoid being deferring to the general you've got to have that open candid what worked what didn't why everybody's got to be able to speak freely and if you can get that kind of debate and conversation um and after action analysis of learning moments is powerful. Then, then it's it's extraordinarily powerful. Right. And those companies that can build that into their culture um, really have a uh, again a huge advantage. And those leaders who can build it into their repertoire, uh, I think, and that's why you know for Gary Rich to say that yeah. with all the success that he's had, um, but he realized in order to shift of course. a business model to diversify a product, to diversify geography, to, to move into the future, they, they couldn't hold on to the past. And learning faster, learning well, uh, was was a key differentiator. So again, if it, it, you know, curiosity and learning, again, if I had to leave you with one thing of all the elements of agility, as much as I think foresight and adapter are important, I would say to me, the single most important thing is to become a learner. Which is that curiosity-based aspect as well, isn't it? And I remember, you know, in my law enforcement career, actually, there was always a very powerful debrief after a critical incident, sometimes with a a multi-agency approach, Steve, where, uh, you know, people had to have very candid uh, conversations. And sometimes those were high-risk incidents and life may have been lost, but got to have those very honest conversations in order to actually understand and and learn from them and and not to repeat. but an important point, and this is where adapt and learn have to work together. Yeah, um, we have we know a lot of have a lot of clients that have technically after action reviews, but what those often are very polite, sanitized right. conversations, which doesn't get the juice out, and secondly, they then get put on a shelf, and so the uh, the, the there's a you know 3M which kind of had the just like Gary Rich did had the famous. Um, learning about post-its, which was a mistake. Yes, They have, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to do the, at the time of the Academy Awards every year, they would do the Academy Award of Failures. Right. But the the, the winner, first of all, you don't want to win every year, but, but the winner, <laughs> <laughs> the winner, um, it was about how the learning was utilized and incorporated elsewhere that would be the highest prize. And so that's the point. It, it's it's not just, um, it's got to be candid in the moment learning, but then it's got to be, you know, gotcha. played forward. 
Okay. Now, you and I love our tennis, Steve, and uh, I hate losing. Uh, I do it a lot. So I've got to try and practice to be a little bit more resilient. That takes us into <laughs> that last component. Help us understand uh, the resilience I, piece now. I, I'll just stay on the tennis thing for a minute because, <laughs> um, because resilience is really about, well, first of all, it starts with having a, a sense of purpose, uh, which, which kind of carries you forward through tough times, but it is that ability to bounce back from failure yeah. or bounce back from setback and perseverance. And in tennis, I think like golf, but also like business, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of setbacks. Right? Tell me about it. And what you see in the, what you see in the best players, um, they don't get, they don't get deterred. They don't get, upset they don't get distracted i think for for myself it's really hard work and usually not successful to be honest with you to get me there, to forget the last thing and move on to the next That's one so hard but but um what what you see in great leaders and great businesses is um that strength of first of all purpose and i, and I really i know i want to emphasize this because that future f uh, ready leader yep. in today's world for many, many reasons, uh, needs to be purpose-driven. That's that's kind of what younger generations expect. It also creates glue. And the stronger the purpose, the stronger the glue, yep. the easier it is for organizations to be resilient and for people to be resilient. You know, there's lots of people who are drivers, but it's not about driving, just being a hard driver. It's about, in, 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 again, in the VUCA world, I don't care how good you are, you're going to fall off the horse. So it's that ability to keep bouncing back and getting back on and, and reinventing as you go. So, um, so that's what resilience is really about. It's about starting with purpose. And, you know, the, the organization that, that keeps coming to mind for me is the World Central Kitchen, um, Jose Andres, who was a, you know, a Michelin premier chef. Right. And still is, I guess, but, but really has focused his, energies for the last 10 12 years on helping distraught you know communities originally it was post hurricane or post natural disaster um where they would go in and feed the hungry then they then during covid they became really critical delivering hundreds of thousands of meals a day to people because you know who had difficulty getting to food and then you know risk their lives going into ukraine and you know providing food to people whose you know communities were completely shattered yeah. so their purpose you know is to provide meals for the hungry basically and that driving purpose um has motivated former chefs you know who may have been out of the job themselves or may not have been to sort of redirect their talent to create enjoyable food, good food, healthy food, and tasty food for people who really are at the edge of despair for all the various reasons that that happens today. And, and they stay at it and they keep growing and keep expanding. And again, it's the mission, but it's the, let's not let catastrophe uh, put us off Let's, in fact, go into the eye of the storm with that strength of purpose 
help ourselves, but also help others bounce back. Literally, there are stories in Ukraine of some of those World Kitchen uh, workers just being fired at, having their kitchen being bombed, and yeah. having to remake and reinvent, and staying perseverant in service of helping other people be resilient. So that's kind of the double win. My resilience allows you to be resilient. I mean, you, that and and to serve a, a purpose that we all can can feel really. It's just really important, and we can feel good about. So so resilience is the is the fourth. Now that really resonates because you know meaning is the new money. Certainly for the younger generation coming through organizations now. So Steve, let me ask you in the context of and it's obviously something I subscribe to, having joined Hydric, a world right. better led. What what kind of keeps your passion going for this work under that umbrella of a world better led well it goes back to this point we just talked about right um this notion of purpose in is part of a world better led leaders who have a strong sense of purpose and what we're what we're here for and what we're trying to do um, so that that is a component of it, but but our view is that um, a world better led is a world where you know the, the biggest shortage. In fact, it was interesting. Who was I talking to about this? Oh yeah, I was interviewing a client yesterday, and he, and we were talking about um, all the the, sh- the challenges and the shifts yep. that they're facing. And he and he's happened to be in the pharmaceutical industry and lots and lots. But he said in the end. The biggest shortage we face is talent, and in particular, leadership talent. Right. And this is what we hear from our clients at Hydric. And, you know, again, Hydric is the search part of Hydric is in the business of going externally to find talent. But you're never going to find all the talent and all the leaders externally. So the other part of Hydric, the part that you and I are actively involved in, is helping develop yes. high potentials into future leaders, which both of those elements create a world better led if we can create leaders who are more purpose-driven, more inclusive, more agile, uh, and able able to make better decisions. By the way, I just want to mention something about about that uh, in relation to how do you identify um, leaders who can contribute to the world better led. Okay. So part of what we do is assess and then develop leaders. And we have this idea, just bringing it back to agility, that agility is also synonymous with, or a way of thinking about potential. And that the, because, you know, what is potential? Potential is the ability to grow, either to take on more or to, to diversify, to expand your horizons. Yep. And what we, again, this is, goes back to our research, but what, what we've seen is that um, agility is the new potential. And let me explain that. So potential historically had three components, drive, um, sort of intelligence, traditional intelligence and emotional intelligence. So resilience is the new drive, as I mentioned this before. Okay. So it's not enough just to have a strong motivated drive to succeed and full speed ahead. Because again, in a, in a VUCA world, you can't go straight ahead and you're going to keep needing to bounce back and you can need to make detours. So resilience is is now kind of the drive in a VUCA world or in a bonkers world. Um, 
foresight is IQ because again, being just being smart, getting high IQ points, doing well on your SATs, that's a good thing. But it it's, doesn't serve you well if it doesn't translate into kind of anticipating right. and understanding where the world is going and where your business is going and what the opportunities and the risks are. And sense-making so, so in some way, Steve. Yeah, sense-making. Perfect. True. So foresight is kind of the new yep. IQ. Adaptability is kind of the EQ. So adaptability, we've talked about adaptability to different business models, but it's also adapting to the diversity in the workforce and to the diversity of needs and expectations and using different leadership styles depending on different circumstances. So adaptability is the new EQ. So those three things kind of mirror the old definition of potential, right. but in a kind of more modern contemporary version. And then, as I said before, you throw learning in because in the end learning to me is the thing that really differentiates high potentials is their ability to learn faster, to fail fast to your earlier comment, but to, to learn at a rate that's faster than others around them and those four things, if you can measure them, which we actually do, um, can help you determine who's got that potential to lead in this world that we're in um, and to be able to, to therefore contribute to that world better led if you, again, buy the notion that part of a world better led is more agile. Again, it also is more inclusive, more humane, um, more innovative, but but agility is certainly an important part of it. So back to your first question, a world better led really is more leaders who can lead well, effectively, you know, with, with purpose, yep. but also with humanity, with inclusion, with agility. Listen, I can hear the passion in your voice, Steve. So that's all the answer I need almost in relation to, you know, why do you do what you do? And this is going to be, this episode is packed full of great learning. How do people get in touch to get you involved in their conversation, to be part of your conversation? What's the best way to connect with you, Steve? Yeah, I mean, so, um, you know, <clears throat> I guess email and text are the way pe most people get in touch with me. But so... Or LinkedIn, you know, I, maybe. I'm at, what? Or LinkedIn, LinkedIn, too. LinkedIn, too. Yeah, so I, I'm on LinkedIn. Oh, I've got dozens of articles on there on this topic, if you're, if you're interested. Um, so LinkedIn, for sure. Um, or, you know, my Hydric email, which is skrupp at hydric.com. Uh, and I look, I, I have had so many wonderful conversations on these topics, including this one, <laughs> but with so many people over the past couple of years. And sometimes it's clients, but sometimes it's just uh, people who want to explore the topic. And I'm up, I'm fortunate, I'm at a point in my life and my career, you know, I can make them for conversations with people just because it's, it's, uh, it's important to, to all of us to keep growing and learning, being more agile. And so um, I welcome people reaching out. I welcome conversations, no strings attached, just let's learn together. Well, that's a pretty good invitation for sure at the end of a wonderful episode. Listen, Steve, you've been an absolute superstar. Thank you so much for being a guest on The Leadership Enigma. I hope you've enjoyed it too. My pleasure. Join us again next week for more tips and strategies on The Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or our YouTube channel. And remember to get your daily learning to build success at www.insights.emeritus.org.
Download the Insights app and start learning for free. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.